So we have such a special episode for you today. I have none other than Drew Manning on the podcast. I'm so honored to have him. He is the creator and founder of Fit to Fat to Fit. And he is just, he's such an inspiration. I called him the king of empathy. And you'll see that he is so much more than, you know, his body. And he's so much more than his fitness journey. He goes so much deeper into his beliefs and how he helps people. And so I'm honored to have him here and to have him dive so vulnerably and openly into his journey and his mindset and how he sees the world. So I know you're going to get so much value out of this episode and I'm honored to have you here. Um, you know, and if you're new to the show, you know that I have actually never had a male on the podcast because it's the goddess collective. You know, it started out with me really wanting to empower women and help the collective of women really rise. But I'm really, you know, as I've been diving into this, journey of my own, really realize that it's not just about women, right? It's about the empowerment of the collective as a whole. And so sometimes that includes conversations with men. And I love chatting with men who are just, I say woke, (laughs) men who are just having really, um, really just deep conversations around stuff that matters and really in tune with their, their emotions, their feminine energy, you know, and see it as a a superpower versus a weakness. Those are the voices that I want to bring to the podcast, regardless of if you're male, female, or however you identify, you know, I'm so happy to have um, those voices here on the podcast. And so it, it just really, I can't even explain how excited I am that Drew Manning, out of all people, is the very first honorary male presence to be in interviewed um, on this platform. So enjoy the conversation. Enjoy, I don't know, a male perspective on vulnerability and realness, rawness, and a journey to really coming into the truth of the self. So I I can't wait to, to have you tune in. I know you're going to get so much value out of this. So I'll see you in the episode. Hey, Drew, welcome to the show, The Goddess Collective. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, I appreciate you having me on, Jesse. And I know I think you told me last time this I'm the first guy, right, that you've had on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you beat me to it. So um, I'm so Thank excited. You. You're the first honorary male um, <laughs> of the Goddess Collective podcast. I'm super excited about that, and uh, yeah, I'm really appreciative. So thank you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's awesome to have you here. You know, I know that we met at a business mastermind that you were speaking at a few weeks ago mm-hmm. or a month ago now in Vegas. And so shout out to the Next Gen team. But yes. uh, yeah, I had the opportunity to meet you there. And normally I would be super like nervous and not even like bother to ask, you know, to have you on my podcast. But there was something about your, just your energy and the way that you just seem to approach people and like I really felt like you're the king of empathy and just so kind and I thought you know what (laughs) I'm just gonna shoot my shot and you were just so warm and welcoming and so that was why I was kind of like you know what I feel like I'm ready to start connecting with just awesome men on this this podcast and this platform and so I'm so excited to have you here um and I would love for you to just kind of intro yourself tell us a little bit about you and your journey to to get to where you are now and I know I know that's a mouthful but um sure just start us off yeah so most people know me as the fit to fat to fit guy but you can call me drew drew manning is my real name and so i prefer to go by that instead of the fit to fat to fit guy but fit to fat to fit was something i did back in 2011 and even before then i should probably back up because it ties into why i did fit to fat to fit in the first place so 
I grew up in a family of 11 brothers and sisters, and we all played sports. And so for me, being number seven out of the 11, um, I played football and wrestling from a very young age. So I was always active. I was always fit. I was always in shape. It's all I had ever known. And then fast forward to 2009, I decided to become certified as a personal trainer because I was like, you know what? I've always been into health and fitness. Why not help other people, you know, get in shape? And so I, I started training people. And here I was, someone who had never been overweight a single day of my life, trying to help people who were overweight pretty much every day of their life, right? And I, I couldn't understand why it was so hard for them just to do what I do so easily when that's eat healthy consistently and go to the gym consistently. And it seems so simple. Like all you do is this, you put down the junk food, go to the gym, eat healthy food. Like it shouldn't be that hard. And I, my clients would struggle, you know, staying consistent. And I'm like, I don't get it. Why is it so hard? And one of my clients, who was my brother-in-law at the time, told me, he's like, you, you know, Drew, you don't understand how hard it is for me or for people like me. He was very overweight. And he was, and, and I was like, you know what? You're right, James. I don't know what, I don't understand why it's so hard for you just to do what seems so simple and easy for me. Like, I, I don't understand why you struggle with this. And so that kind of led me down this journey of like, okay, he's right. I don't understand. How can I gain a better understanding? And then all these thoughts and ideas popped up and then boom, this light bulb went off and <laughs> it was weird, but I almost felt like I was being called to do this experiment. And that was fit to fat to fit where I would become fat on purpose or overweight on purpose to better understand what my clients go through. And so I just put this together, you know, didn't know what I was doing, didn't have a marketing strategy, didn't have any PR connections. I just kind of winged it, to be honest with you. And uh, the, the idea was six months, no exercise, uh, eat a standard American diet. So lots of processed foods. I'll talk about what those foods are and how they affected me a little bit later. And I ended up gaining 75 pounds on purpose. Uh, in those six months uh, of pure fat, right? It wasn't like I was bulking up like a bodybuilder does. Uh, there was zero exercise. It was one of the hardest, most humbling things I've ever done. I realized how wrong I was. I was mm. truly humbled. And that story, that experiment went viral uh, back in 2011, landed me on all kinds of TV shows, Jay Leno, Dr. Oz, Good Morning America, The View, <laughs> Dr. Drew. Um, <clears throat> uh, I wrote a book, which became a New York Times bestseller. The book got turned into a TV show uh, where we had two seasons of uh, Fit to Fat to Fit, where we put other trainers through that process to learn what I learned. And that's kind of me in a nutshell. And that's what people know me as is the Fit to Fat to Fit journey. And, and we can dive into like where empathy came from and why that's a part of my message. But that's, that's kind of the backstory. Yeah, it's super epic. And, you know, it's just <laughs> interesting how, because I know this is just, you know, normal for you now talking about it and having gone through the experience twice. <laughs> and now yep. you're, you know, now you're, you know, really diving into all these other areas. And and that's the, the story that's really led you here, which is amazing. But something that I asked you um, when I first met you, I'll never forget was just one, and I would love for you to dive in to, you know, cause so many things and I know I can just tell like, you're just such an entrepreneur, right? Like you have that spirit and that's like, I can just, I just feel like maybe, maybe that wasn't who you felt like before, but that's so like a big part of you. I get that sense. And I think part of being that type of person is we get all these seemingly crazy ideas. We get all these ideas and then it's like, well, I, like acting on it is a whole other thing. And so when you got the initial idea to, yeah. you know, to go for it, how did you then like 
move it past the, oh, this is kind of a crazy idea to actual implementation. Like, let's go for it and see what it can turn into. Yeah, that's a really good question. So the process of that went like this. So I was married at the time. And of course, I called my wife and told her like, hey, I have this crazy idea. (laughs) What do you think of it? And it was interesting. A lot of people don't know this, but she was pregnant at the time. And I was very uh, more of a health nut. And at the beginning of our relationship, uh, the beginning of our relationship where I was more obsessed about how I look. So I was definitely more healthy. And so um, she was like, so you're telling me we're going to have junk food in the house? Like while, <laughs> while I'm pregnant? She's like, yeah, you should definitely do this. <laughs> so she was, she was all for it. And she also saw that I was pretty judgmental, that I was non-empathetic when it came to this type of, uh, you know, living and this lifestyle. And she thought it would be a good journey for me. And so she was all for it. And then I called friends and family and everyone was like, dude, that's a crazy idea. I can't believe you're going to do that. But yes, you should totally do it. So you kind of like, you know, pass like the inner circle friends test to see if it's it's stupid idea or not. And everyone was like, it's a crazy idea. They didn't say stupid, but they're like, it's a crazy idea, but you should definitely do it. And the only ones that were against it were my mom. And my mother-in-law at the time. So mm-hmm. they didn't want, they didn't want me to get unhealthy and, you know, you know, possibly die, which didn't happen, but you know, that's what moms do. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Worry about everything. <laughs> so, and then from there it was, um, like I said, I didn't have any connections. I didn't have, I, I didn't come from an entrepreneurial background at the time. So I was like, okay, what do I do? I start, maybe I'll start a Facebook page. I'll start a website, start a YouTube channel. And then I just kind of, like I said, I, I did this all by myself. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just did it. And it kind of like, it, it evolved as it went on. And so those were the beginning stages of how it went from idea to actual implementation. It took a few months and, you know, I didn't have a huge budget for this. I paid like $300 for Squarespace website. Yes. Uh, <laughs> yeah. I, I edited all the videos. I edited all the videos, which sucked. You can go back and look at them on YouTube. They're still there, but yes. you know. So I think that's amazing. You know, I think one of the, the best parts in a way of like starting a journey like this, like from scratch and from like whatever resourcefulness you, you have to come up with is it is an actual documented, tangible way to see your growth, <laughs> like see your personal development yeah. growth, your journey growth, and just the, you know, the progress along the way. So I love that you have that and you still have it up, I think is really, uh, really inspiring. Yeah. Um, so people can see like where you started from. Um, and I think one thing that's interesting, I have so many questions, but I think about how, you know, you were mentioning that initially you weren't super, maybe a super empathetic person in this area. But when I, you know, connect with you now, or I see your content, I feel like empathy is just one of your key pillars for life. Like where, how did that, how did you initially connect with that, um, to move into this journey? Yeah, I think it comes from being truly humbled. And when someone is truly humbled, it opens up their perspective and changes mm-hmm. how they see things. Because I used to see transformation as simple and easy. Like all you do is you just do it until yeah. I lived it. And so gaining weight for six months and eating those foods and then trying to go back and eat healthy food again was one of the hardest things I've ever been through. Because my body, you know, here I, here I am, a proponent of health, a, phys, a personal trainer, know what to do. I know how to, you know, adjust my macros and and exercise and, you know, all the things I know how to do all that. But even I struggled with the food addictions and the cravings. And it was like, my body was fighting back against me. My body wanted the high that it had had for those past six months from these foods, which, which 
I mean, let's be honest. I mean, cinnamon toast crunch is so good. Like that's, <laughs> I ate that every single day <laughs> during my journey. I didn't realize how powerful the emotional connection to food really was until I tried to go off of it. And I had only been eating that way for six months. And then it made me think, wow, when I transitioned to eating healthy food, the food sucked. It didn't taste as good. It didn't make me feel good. I was still starving. Um, I had headaches. I was grumpy. I was moody. I couldn't understand why my body didn't feel good instantly. You know, we think if we eat a salad, we're going to feel good like right away. But it was like getting off of a drug almost where my body fought back against me and went through these crazy withdrawal symptoms where it's like, dude, where is our drugs? Like, where are our drugs of these foods you fed us the past six months? And now you're feeding us broccoli and cauliflower and chicken breast that doesn't do the same thing chemically uh, to your brain when you're eating cinnamon toast crunch and ice cream and hot pockets and mac and cheese and spaghettios and, you know, uh, top ramen and, you know, all the things that we have that are very processed, very cheap and affordable. Yeah. And they're designed specifically to be addictive. You know, all those foods that, that I ate, um, it really opened up my eyes. And I think that's what I'm saying is like to be humbled will change your perspective and will, will develop, will naturally cause you to develop more empathy. And that's what it did for me where I was truly humbled. I'm like, oh, okay, I see it now. A little bit of what it's like. Not saying I'm a food addict. I'm not saying it's the same as someone who grew up overweight. But it gave me a little bit of understanding and the empathy started to grow where I was like, oh, I see now. I see what it's like and I get it and I understand. And that's where the empathy started to grow. And then from there, that was back in 2011, 2012. I was, I totally went um, the opposite direction where I was like, look, transformation is not just physical. It's way more mental and emotional. We have it so backwards in the fitness industry. We're so focused on the physical aspect of weight loss. Here's your meal plans. Here's your macros. Here's your calories. Here's your workouts. Here's your supplements. And if you do these things, you will, you know, we, we try and sell people, you'll magically lose weight and you'll, you know, be ripped and shredded. And yes, there is some truth to that. You do need to do the physical things to lose the weight, to lose the fat, but <laughs> that's not what people struggle with. People don't struggle with that part of it because that, that knowledge is everywhere. You can go online, Google free meal plans and you'll get, you know, or keto or paleo or whatever it is, you'll, you can find it and it'll help you. But the mental and emotional side is what people struggle with. And that's where I started to develop more empathy and realize that it's so much more complex than we think. It's so, it's so much more deeply connected to childhood trauma, to um, um, emotional eating, to covering up some type of pain that we've been dealing with and we, we, we numb it or distract ourselves with some type of substance like food, drugs, or alcohol. And we do that for decades and we expect to just willpower away to a new lifestyle. It's not that simple. And I've seen it time and time again, and I experienced it firsthand and that's what woke me up to this. So that's where the empathy really started to develop. And then I did this journey again as a 40 year old in 2020. And then that really hit it home for me. Like the empathy thing is so important. And I feel like empathy will be a game changer, not just in the fitness industry, but in this world in general. Yeah. So like your journey with this, even just at this high level, you're talking about it is just so, um, it's so amazing because I just have so many things coming to my mind. Like I think about how, if people could just really develop empathy in whatever their craft is, you know, they could be that much more influential, that much more powerful, and that much more able to make a change in the people that they're desiring to help change their lives. So, so just that mentality alone is amazing. And it actually has me thinking like, how can I more meet my clients where they're at instead of trying to like 
push change because I believe in them. It's like, no, how can I really think and like them? And luckily I'm not in the fitness industry, so I don't have to maybe play with this journey, <laughs> but, yeah. but, uh, no, no, no. So, um, it, it does have me thinking bigger questions. And I think anybody that would be listening to this, how can they, you know, think about adding more empathy or, or really stepping into the mindset of the people that they're trying to serve or connect with deeper? How can they, they play with that question a bit? And I That's also really, think, Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Oh, no, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say in response to that, how can they do that? That's a really, really good question. Mm -hmm. And we can go there if you want to, but I think one, there's two things I want to talk about. One, there's a good quote that I live by and it says, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And that is so true, especially in the fitness industry, because you have people with all kinds of certifications and all all kinds of knowledge of how to calculate macros and certain diets and the science behind it and how to manipulate body composition, how to lose fat, like people know how to, there's people out there that have all the knowledge, right? But that doesn't matter uh, if that person doesn't know how to connect with their audience or the, the people that are listening feel cared about to first listen to this person because this person is a jerk or an asshole, but they have the knowledge, people aren't going to want to listen or follow them. So this quote really rings true to me. No one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So that's first and foremost. So how do you develop that? And I think the second thing I was going to mention is there's a really good book by Oprah called what happened to you and I think I talked about this at the event but basically it's it's reframing the question of like what's wrong with this person why or what's wrong with me why can't I do you know why can't I just live a healthy lifestyle consistently this book really dives into instead of saying what's wrong with me or why am I broken what happened to you and it really forces you to go back and connect the dots of like tracing back from childhood what circumstances or experiences uh, shaped you in a certain way that caused you to believe the way you believe. So if you have a lot of self-doubt, if you hate yourself, if you um, don't believe in yourself, what does that stem from? Where did that first start? And it forces you to look back and do the inner work, you know, whether it's through therapy or a life coach or someone to help you through that, to connect those dots. And once you become aware of those, then you become more in control of your patterns and your um the way the way you navigate your life and once you figure that part out then it's easier then it's easier to make the right decisions in the moment because another good quote what you are aware of you are in control of what are you what you're Mm -hmm. not aware of controls you and that is anthony DeMello, i believe and so going back and doing the inner work allows you to become more aware of of what where it stems from and as you become more aware of those things then you're more in control of it. And then you know why you eat chocolate cake on a Saturday night when you're depressed and you're sad or your kids are driving you crazy or your business isn't doing well or you're you're struggling with whatever it is in your life. Instead of like, you know, reaching for the alcohol or the, the cake or whatever it is for you, you are aware of why you're doing that in the first place. And once you become aware of it, you're like, oh, I'm doing this because of this, this, and this. And this thing triggered me today and caused me to want to eat this stuff. And now that you're aware of that, you're like, okay, how... Do I want to go down this path now that I'm aware of it? Or do I want to choose a different path and choose a better life? And that's kind of how you break free from that. And that's how you develop empathy um, as well. Um, so anyways, those are those are two things I would recommend. Um, that, that quote, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And then maybe look into that book. And there's other books too. But anyways, I just wanted to chime in there. 
No, I'm so glad you did. And and also the fact that you brought up an Oprah book, like she's my, <laughs> she's like the, like <laughs> yeah. the person who got me down this personal development road. So anytime somebody recommends an Oprah book, I'm like all over it. So definitely, <laughs> definitely on that check one. it out. <laughs> what I love, what I love about everything that you represent and everything that I've seen from you is just, you're not only talking about empathy as a superpower with understanding other people, but helping people understand how to have empathy within themselves to dive deeper into taking the, almost taking like the the pressure and the judgment off of the self and saying, oh, maybe I'm this way because I just don't understand myself in that way yet. Or maybe I'm yep. reaching for things because I'm, I'm doing my best to parent myself because really I believe we're all still children. <laughs> just yep. trying to parent I, ourselves, you know? And so I, I, I feel like it brings the idea that empathy is alive and well. And the more we can nurture us, like the more we can like, bring empathy to you know our outside world the more it can come internally and vice versa and just how important that is to just give ourselves some grace in the process and um and yeah and I was thinking about something that you had said before or that when when you were talking before how with with I, I love the work that you're doing because you're already connecting the mindset to the like health with people yeah. instead of them having to have you know like something really terrible and tragic happening, you're kind of waking them up to the reality of it before it gets to that point. And I think about my own health journey and how, like, I mean, I really did like have the whispers turn into nudges, turn into like something falling on my head, not literally, but like, like literally something uh, yeah. yell at me in my life health wise for me to wake up and do something different. And that became my motivation. And I think sometimes that's what a lot of people need to, to desire to create that healthy life for themselves. But I, I don't think it has to get to that point. And so I love that you just as an example, like went down this path and did this for yourself to show people without them having to experience it, like the reality, because I think a lot of people think like they're just, they just walk around thinking they're invincible, which is great because yeah. it means their you know, life is good. Nothing's happening. But at some point, you know, if you're not taking care of yourself, if you're ignoring yourself, like in, and in like in all ways, right? Not just health, but empathy and, and kindness and self-love and personal development. Like if you're ignoring all those things, it eventually will catch up to you. So I, I think that's just one piece that I was thinking about as you were talking earlier that I was I kind of wanted to speak to because in my own experience, fortunately things had to get really loud. Um, and then I also did connect with the fact that, yeah, I didn't realize that for me, like sweets, like if I'm being really honest, chocolate, like I had an actual addiction to chocolate and I never admitted, mm -hmm. it, but I realized it was because anytime like I felt like I needed love or I needed like a hug or something, or just needed to be seen, I would, you know, instead of connecting with that first, I would go to like sweets and chocolate and stuff and and yeah, and so it was just like really when I reflected on that, it's like, whoa, the mind is so powerful. Or when we know ourselves better and build a healthier relationship, it's so powerful how some of that stuff just dissolves off, you know? Yeah, it's so, and it's so true. And this is what happens in life is we go throughout life looking for external things to fill the void that we feel inside of us. We don't understand why we feel that void. We feel like something's missing or we're not complete. So it's like, okay, if I get more money or if I, get a sexier body or if I eat this food or drink this alcohol or or this person is going to complete me right that's what we, the way we've been programmed it's like it's outside of us like uh, these these external things will fill that void and make us feel more complete and so we chase after these things whether it's a, a skinnier body or whether it's a fame or money thinking oh this is what's going to make me happy and then we even if we achieve it 
which is really hard to do. <laughs> Even if we do achieve it, we realize, oh, wait, that's not it. There's, there's something else. Like I need more money. Maybe if I just go more money or if I get more fit or more lean or if I do a, a bodybuilding show or if I get bigger muscles, like we just keep going more and more. And we just realize that at the end of the day, once, and this is what I've come to realize that it's within us. With, it's within us to fill that void. No one else, nothing else will fill that except for the love that we give ourselves. And then maybe it takes us chasing after these things and achieving those things to realize that, oh, they're not, they don't bring the fulfillment we think they do. It's okay to go down that path to like want to better yourself. But if you're looking for that thing to fulfill you and bring you happiness, you're going to realize that it's short-lived. And, um, and then at the end of the day, it is about showing up for yourself and giving yourself that love um, yeah. that, that fills that, that truly fills that void. But the way we've been programmed is like, no, nope, uh, like, you know, even from like Disney movies, you get married and you fall in love and you live happily ever after. And that's the end of the movie, right? <laughs> as yeah, if, that's like, a whole other, that's, I mean, that's, that's like a whole other podcast episode. If we could talk about the underlying yeah. story of the fairy tales. <laughs> Yeah, but it's so true. That's kind of the way we've been programmed. So to break free from that program is like, no, we can give ourselves that love and we need to, we need to learn how to show up for ourselves and become the hero of our own story. Um, just we don't know how to do that yet. So what does that look like? Is that right? So it takes this journey of self-discovery and figuring that out. And so I see this all the time in the fitness industry where people are like, I want to lose weight. I want to get fit. I want to have this sexy body because they see celebrities and athletes and Instagram models like, oh, I want to look like this person thinking that's going to bring them happiness thinking that these people are happy. Like I know a ton of people with lots of money, super good bodies that still hate themselves, that still are miserable, that still think they're not good enough, that still think they're ugly. So it doesn't guarantee fulfillment or true happiness in the long run. I can tell you that it's okay to pursue that. It's okay to like look into that. But if you, and this is why I have all my clients do a gratitude list every single day. It has nothing to do with weight loss. You're not going to lose weight by journaling uh, five things a day you're grateful for. But what that does is it rewires your brain to search for things throughout the day that truly bring gratitude, whether it's something super small and simple. Like right now, I'm, I live here in Hawaii and I have an, a pool in my backyard. I'm like, how cool. Like, I'm grateful to have a pool or I'm grateful to have water. I'm grateful for coffee, like whatever it is. It, yeah. Your brain starts searching for things you're grateful for that are in your life, even though your life's not perfect. As, as miserable as we can be and as like crappy of a situation we can be going through, there's almost always, you know, three to five things you can look for to be grateful for in that day. And obviously that's all relative depending on what people are going through, but that's why the way I approach health and fitness kind of has nothing like, yes, there is a component of there's a diet you do and there's exercises you do and supplements you take, like that's a small component, but I have people work on the mental, emotional, spiritual stuff while they're working on the physical stuff. Because then if they could learn to be grateful and happy and fulfilled where they're at now, then it doesn't matter if the results come or they don't come. They, they learn how to show up for themselves now and become the hero of their own story now. Not one day when I get this body, when I get this house, when I get this money, then I'll love myself. It's like, no, you, can, you deserve to be happy now. And you can truly learn how to do that. It just takes um, unlearning if you will unlearning all the stuff you've been taught what brings happiness so does that make sense yeah totally and that's actually something that I talk to my clients too and and I realized too that that when you focus on gratitude and you put your energy there you you go into what I like to call the possibility space and that possibility space has you feeling really just like you can keep the momentum of your life I get a lot of people that say okay I feel really good right now but like 
later I kind of go down this, like I, I just kind of go down this, this, I don't want to say rabbit hole, but just it's hard to keep that feeling of happiness and whatever. And I just say, well, if you just keep it a muscle, if you build this muscle of just appreciating the little things and making your moment fun, like that keeps the momentum and allows you to just keep moving in this space that just feels really good. And then that brings all these, you know, it brings all this, you know, um, good energy back to you and it gives you more to be grateful for. But yeah, the power of gratitude is, is really underrated. I feel, I feel like it's something that is almost like a buzzword, but until you really experience how it shifts your life and you, you actually bring consciousness into it, doing that, um, it can really be hard to see it as anything more than just like, I know I'm supposed to do this, but, but, um, yeah, yeah, for me, it's, I know it sounds like for you too, it's a non-negotiable, um, but like, I would, I kind of want to shift gears a little bit. I'm Mm -hmm. so curious about, you know, the season of your life that you're in right now how you would explain this kind of this place that you're in because I know that to get to a place where now a big focus is helping people dive into spirituality and mental aspect and coming into like the things that really matter that takes a shift I think getting to in life so if you wouldn't mind speaking to kind of where you're at now in your life and how you see the world or just anything you want to share on that really broad question (laughs) well a lot of a lot of it has to do with where I've come from that has led me to where I am today because I wouldn't be where I'm today without what I went through. And so briefly kind of connecting the dots for you is I, right now I'm in a very good place in my life. Um, five, six months ago, if you follow me on social media, you follow my story, you saw that I went through, I would call it my first bout with depression that I've ever experienced. I checked out of social media for about a month and I was very, very, I was, I was very distraught. I was very down and out for a while. And I've never experienced that before. I had to take a break from social media for the first time in 10 years. So um, coming from that, you know, I feel like God, the universe, life, whatever it is for you, puts things into your path that like, okay, you need to learn this lesson. And sometimes we need to learn a second lesson. Cause I feel like I went through this, this, this phase of growth and, um, fixing, if you will, the things that it needed to be fixed physically, mentally, emotionally, and spiritually when I went through a divorce about eight years ago. And that was like rock bottom moment for me. That was really hard because, you know, me and my ex-wife, we have two daughters. And yeah. when we went through a divorce, they were about four and six, you know, they're older now, they're 10 and 12. And so I've really had to go on that like self-discovery journey and discover who I was without my marriage. Um, I left my religion as well. I grew up in a religion for 34 years of my life was 100% in, and then had a transition out of that at the same time as my divorce. And that was really hard on my identity. And so I went through this identity crisis of like, who am I without those things? And, you know, it took me a lot of like soul searching and and like I said, self-discovery. And um, I can, I don't know how deep you want me to go into that, but that's kind of where I learned how to show up for myself for the yeah. first time and become the hero of my story and realize that happiness comes from within. And then I, I got reminded of like, Hey, you got, you still need to learn how to show up for yourself. Cause you think you, you learned, but I didn't learn everything I needed to. And so I got, you know, sucker punched, if you will, or like, you know, by, by the universe or God uh, to relearn this lesson again. And I was at my lowest point again, you know, just about like that five, six months ago. And now here I am today finally at peace with who I am. I'm in love with this new version of myself. I had to like 
almost go through a death of who I thought I was. And yeah. to go through that death phase is really hard. And I think a lot of us do that, whether it's a midlife crisis, whether we start having kids or whether we launch a business or end a relationship or start a relationship, there's lots of deaths and rebirths that we go through, you know, obviously not physical, you know, what I'm, what I'm explaining, but I think we go through a lot of these phases where we become this new version of ourselves and it's scary. It's hard. It's challenging, but there's so much growth in that if you choose that. And that's kind of my whole philosophy of life happens for you, not to you. If you look at life happening to you, then you kind of play the blame game. You're kind of stuck in that victim mindset or mentality where maybe it's not fair, the circumstances you were thrown that were thrown at you. Maybe it's not fair that it happened to you and it's okay to be bitter and angry and resentful. Like it's okay to feel those feelings and feel those emotions, but to be stuck there is, is I would say is not okay in the long run because you know, for me, I'm a dad and I have daughters that look up to me and that need me. And if I stayed stuck there in that blame game, that victim mindset, they suffer because of that. The people around me suffer because I'm stuck in that. And that's why that's my motivation to get out of that. And so for me, that was a really, really powerful moment where I'm like, okay, this is what am I, what am I supposed to learn from this? Like, how can I grow from this? And having a growth mindset is where you start to flourish and you learn the lessons like, oh, okay, I see now that this happened for me so that I can learn this lesson so that I can become this version of myself so I can break the cycle of generational trauma or whatever it is or become the best dad or be the best version of me for my next relationship. Um, and so, yeah, I've, I've had those moments and those have been huge learning moments and that's what's led me to where I am today where I'm like, okay, I finally, and I think I'm learning how to show up for myself and truly love myself. Um, and that's, it's, but you have to go through some hell <laughs> to discover that. Yeah. Yeah. So powerful. And there's so much, um, you know, there's so much power, I think, in experiencing just contrasting moments where you really are forced to see, okay, like this is, this, this is like the truth. How do I move through this? Yeah. And, and something I've been, um, kind of telling myself, um, just to like make light of life sometimes is it's almost like you get, I think everybody does get the lesson twice given to them. One, just kind of in the knowledge. And then the second one to, to show yourself that you know how to implement it. <laughs> so you get the opportunity to put the knowledge into practice is kind of my like joke that I tell myself because I'm like, okay, well, sure enough, that was why I went through that again. Um, so yeah. I think, I think <laughs> your perspective on things is really powerful. Um, one thing I want to, I just really want to acknowledge you for, and this was another reason why I was like, okay, I know this is the goddess collective, but like, I got to have them on the show because you're so, I think another superpower of yours is also vulnerability. And Mm -hmm. we're getting into a world today where I think we're seeing more and more men stepping into that, but I think that's still not that much um, where it could be, or it's not as openly talked about. And so I just really want to acknowledge you for being so vulnerable. And one thing that I thought was really amazing um, was so I was listening to your one of your podcast episodes about you know the the divorce that you you openly talked about and shared about and um and what I thought was incredible was not only just the full like radical responsibility you, like you 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 shared and and the story that you just you know laid out so so um just openly but what really I think more than anything I could not believe the next episode started and it was literally your your ex wife like telling her yeah. side of the story. And I thought, whoa, 
that speaks not only did that episode before like where you were telling the story like speak volumes and like just open my eyes and allow me into a world of, of men that I just never would have thought I kind of got a chance to hear about but just seeing then your ex-wife like share her story and just so openly and I thought whoa these two are incredible and the fact that you can you know do this podcast together still and just your story it was just um it was amazing so I I'm like I don't even like I'm going off the cusp I don't even know what my question is here but I just do you feel like vulnerability is a superpower of yours or it's just kind of a natural way of being now or has it always been that's a really good question. No, I've been trained to believe that vulnerability is a weakness. Growing up as a male playing sports like football and wrestling, there was no room for vulnerability because um, that was like what you would get made fun of or or like you'd be called too sensitive or, you know, people would call you names, like really bad names. And so as a very young boy, you learn, okay, now it's not okay to show emotion. It's not okay to talk about uncomfortable feelings. So I just suppressed, suppressed, suppressed. And because of that, it eventually broke me because I was so full of shame about the things I was suppressing. I didn't know how to talk about it or how I didn't have an outlet to talk about the things that brought me so much shame, especially, you know, you combine the culture of the religion I grew up in, which is a very, very strict religion, uh, Mormonism, or the Church of Jesus Christ of, of Latter-day Saints is what it's called. Um, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of shame around who I was as a person because I had sins that um, you know, I felt made me like, you know, despicable and disgusting. And, but here I was a normal human being. And so it caused me to hate myself from a very young age, but not having an outlet, a healthy outlet to talk about that. It's like, okay, well, I just show up, I man up and I just hide these things about myself and, and hiding those things about myself. It eventually caught up to me and broke me. And um, that's why in my episode 100 of my podcast, which is the one you listen to, which, by the way, thank you so much for listening to that. That means a lot to me that you would actually go and listen to that. But um, it it talks about my divorce. It talks about my affair, um, which I'm very open about. Um, And we probably don't have time to go into all the details on this podcast, but you can go listen to episode 100. And episode, yeah, episode 101 is my ex-wife's episode. Yeah, I was just gonna say your podcast is actually super binge worthy. I started diving in, and I was like, "Well, I actually really want to learn some of this stuff." So, yeah, just a quick plug. But, uh, but anyways, well, thank you. No, and I appreciate that. And so, I'm very open about that, and I own my story. I own my side of the story. I think that's why me and my ex-wife get along so well, is because I've done the work on myself to like connect the dots of like, okay, what led me down this path? Why did I? Why did I choose this path of of having an affair and lying and cheating and things like that? Because I knew that if I didn't fix that, it would just this cycle of trauma would have been passed on to my kids and and it, nothing would have ever been fixed. And so embracing vulnerability as a strength, which is tattooed right here, you can't really see it, but it's tattooed on my forearm, just as a reminder for me, like it is a strength. And so now and now it has become a superpower where it's scary as hell to jump into that arena like Brene Brown talks about, which if anyone's listening, I know a lot of women are listening to this, but if any of like them struggle with shame or if they have men in their life that struggle with shame, go read the book Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. That book totally shifted my perspective of, of shame and how powerful it is, especially for men, because um, we're so afraid to talk about these things that we think people are going to be like, oh, you're disgusting. You're a horrible person for for you know having secret desires or having fantasies or whatever and so because of that shame you don't talk about it thinking that's the way you do it but the less you talk about it the more power it has over you 
But then once you finally step into the arena and you do own your story, then you're in charge. Now you get to write the ending to your story. And it's so freeing after that to take off the mask and just be naked in front of everyone and say, this is me. This is who I am. This is my story. And now I'm going to rewrite my ending to the story. And that's where the power gets shifted. And now, you, now, now the power is, you know, is within you to write the ending to your story. And so for me, I made that shift because I was a dad and I had two daughters. And I knew for me, I didn't want to pass on that cycle of trauma onto them if I just played the blame game, like blame God, blame my parents, blame religion, blame whoever, like, right. We, we, we can do that as humans, but it doesn't fix anything. It, it doesn't help us grow. And so for me, like, yeah, um, it is, it has become a superpower for me and it, it does spill over into my world in the fitness industry because now I'm able to help people overcome that as well. Cause that's, I think what help, what keeps people from living a healthy lifestyle consistently is, self-hate or self-worth or maybe lack of belief in themselves um, because there's a lot of shame that they're holding on to and we try and willpower our way through it we try and suppress those feelings we don't want to talk about it but until you do the body keeps the score and yeah. i promise you if you're holding on to it it's really really hard to release it even from a physical physical perspective but even if you are doing all the things dieting and exercising even if you do achieve the results of getting a better body the fulfillment the shame um you know, the fulfillment won't be the same. The shame will still be there. The self-hate will still be there no matter what your body looks like. And so that's kind of the, the gift of all of this is like, now I can help people see the parallels between their physical transformation and their mental, emotional, spiritual transformation, how intertwined they are. And yeah. then once they figure that out and they're like, oh, once I release all this and I do the inner work, working out becomes easier. Eating healthy becomes easier because now I'm gonna come from a place of self-love versus self-hate. Because when you come from a place of self-hate, you're going to self-sabotage time and time again. You're going to, that inner critic is going to tell you, you're not good enough. You don't deserve this. You suck. You're a failure. You'll always be a failure. And so we self-sabotage because we don't even believe that we deserve you know, all the good that comes from it. But when you come from a place of self-love, then it's totally different. It shifts everything where you're like, oh, I choose to work out because I love myself, which seems opposite, right? We think working out is a punishment or I choose to eat healthy because I love myself. And that's where living a healthy lifestyle becomes so much easier because you've done the inner work. Now the working out stuff becomes so much easier. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's, there's so many like pieces there. And like we could just like quote that and like mic drop it yeah. and hold an episode. Like, that's <laughs> so, go. good. so good. You know, isn't it amazing how much energy it gets put into just avoiding things or pretending we're not experiencing something or pretending we're not the, you know, the undesirable emotions that we feel. But the moment we can just throw our hands up and surrender and just say, you know what, like, this is, the yeah. truth. this is what I'm feeling and experiencing. Like it, it, it almost instantaneously in a way, like creates just this huge sense of relief because you release so much in that moment, even if you haven't fully processed it yet, or you're still kind of coming to with it, being able to just look at it and face it. It's like, whoa, now I get, now I actually get a choice. I'm not stuck in it anymore. I actually get to choose, am I going to stay here? Or am I going to move forward? And then the exciting slash kind of scary because it's unknown. It's like, well, now what am I designing? What am I moving yeah. towards? Um, so I think about like my own journey and all of that and how, um, how when I did get to that crossroads, when I finally just surrendered and was like, okay, what's next for me? I really, I mean, it showed me how much I thought before that I had to do it on my own. And when I started, like, even just like having mentors that didn't even know I existed, like I started researching 
Uh, that's when I really dove into like Oprah and her, like her platform and connecting with all the people that she introduced on her show and then following their content and kind of going down that rabbit hole. And that made me just feel so inspired all the time. And like, I had people helping me figure out what I was designing next. So I'm just curious for you, who are the people that you follow or are influenced by, or who are some of the leaders that you, um, that help create inspiration in your life at this point now? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, quite a few people. I'll mention some of them. So first off, Brene Brown, who I just mentioned already, her work yeah. on vulnerability and shame has been so transformative for me personally. Yeah, and then I will, I'd also say uh, Glennon Doyle Melton. I think her name is Glennon. Uh, she got remarried to Abby Wambach. So uh, anyways, look her up. Glennon I love Doyle, that you know that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I follow her. She's got really good stuff that really helped me transform uh, Oprah as well. But then on the, the, the male side of things, I would say two people, Tim Ferriss, who mm-hmm. I think also talks about these kinds of things. And he's really opened up my eyes to things like meditation and uh, other avenues to self-help because he's come from a troubled past where he was suicidal and struggled with vulnerability and things like that. Um, and then Tony Robbins, I would throw him out there as well because he speaks my language and a lot of the stuff he says really sticks with me. It's very motivating and he speaks a lot of truth in my opinion. And um, even those guys controversial, I'll throw out Joe Rogan. The only reason I throw oh, Joe, Joe Rogan, Rogan out there I love Joe Rogan. is because he normalizes things that used to be seen as weird. Like for example, meditation for me as a guy, I was like, okay, that's weird. But he normalized uh, that for me, like meditation and breath work. Um, and so, yeah, he's been an influence as well, where it's like, oh, people like him are into meditation. Like, that's interesting. I didn't think these tough guys did that. And then, you know, him and a bunch of UFC fighters, MMA fighters, like talk about breath work and meditation. And I was like, oh, okay, maybe I should look into these things. So yeah, I would say those people are probably pretty transformative for me personally. Yeah. Yeah. I I love that. And and I really love um, just being like, you know what, the people that can normalize things that used to have a stereotype against them or used to be seen as like weird. It's like, that is a, that's definitely a powerful influence, you know, powerful, like person to look at. And, and they're, I don't know. I, I, I personally, when you said Joe Rogan, that like stuck out because I just really love him too. And, and actually yeah. it's funny, he's in Austin and I'm like, one day yeah. I'm going to meet him. <laughs> I like, we I'm voted. Sure you will. last summer we were, I like went on a boat a few times and like saw his house <laughs> and I was oh, like, this cool. is so creepy. <laughs> he's probably like not even there. Or if he was like the last thing he'd want, he'd care about is people yeah. on a boat, like yelling <laughs> at his house. But, um, yeah. but anyways, <laughs> Um, so what are some things that maybe you, um, maybe like people misconceive about you that are misconceived, like, sure. like misconceptions people have about you or things that maybe people don't quite understand or know about you? Sure. Um, and it's a random question, uh, but just no, it's a great question. I think it's very relevant because I see it all the time. I think people on the outside see me as this guy with muscles and tattoos and they think one thing like, oh, okay. Uh, just another fitness dude telling me about muscles and, and how to get muscles. And then like you, you heard my story and you're like, whoa, he's talking about empathy, vulnerability, self-love, awareness, yeah. like what I thought he was going to talk about something else. And so I think it kind of people perceive me as this like tough guy that doesn't talk about his feelings, but I am a very sensitive person. Um, I, you know, I get emotional sometimes and 
I do love myself. And I talk about the importance of self-love, not from an egotistical perspective, um, but um, you know, all the work that I've done on myself, I kind of, that has become a part of me. And so it's a part of my message. So when I get up on stage and I speak, um, I think people perceive one thing at first. And then when I start talking, then they put their defenses down. They're like, oh, this guy speaks my language and he actually cares and he is very empathetic and he's different than I thought. So I think that's that's what's hard is like at first people see me as this one thing and they judge me based off of the muscles and tattoos. But then hopefully uh, like you, like I think you were kind of like, wait a second, this guy has, there's more there than just that. <laughs> so yeah yeah you know I think one of the the hardest things in life sometimes can be just accepting that you're going to be misunderstood by a lot of people and you can't you know focus on that it's just being your true self and knowing and I think this is why the work is so important is because no matter how people see you or think of you you have to know yourself and so no matter what you're like I got me and I know the truth of who I am and what I stand for and so everything else just can kind of slough off of it you know so um so I think it's yeah I just I think that's um a great point you know it's like it's not what meets the eye yes this might be like the outer packaging but there's been so much work to develop that and I will also say like or to develop internal but I will also say I think it also takes a lot of internal work to develop you know an outside shell that is you know something that people respect too so there's I mean it can kind of go both ways but um Sure. But uh, yeah, I love that you shared that. And, and I definitely you know, recognize that too. When I first met you and heard your story, I was, I remember my mouth dropped. I was like, <laughs> is this real life? Like that was so incredible. So I just was like, so curious so to learn funny. more and dive, dive deeper. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah. So um, I guess before I ask you my last couple of questions, um, I would love to know, um, so here on the Goddess Collective, I, you know, I'm a big believer that you just go towards things that feel aligned. You just move in directions that just feel inspired and you're, you just take inspired action and then the momentum builds. And for me, I picked the words goddess and collective because those words just felt really good to me. And I've been kind of exploring them more and more in my life, knowing that the actual definitions of these words were going to just kind of develop over time. And I was really going to connect with them deeper and get the true meaning. Once I explored that journey, like once I allowed myself to just kind of go towards it a little bit with it feeling unknown. And so I um, I promise I have a question. (laughs) So for me, like I I started coming into what the word collective meant. um, And I started tapping into it's actually a bigger purpose. And it feels like I'm starting to tap into more of my purpose of bringing really the collective, specifically of women, but people together to have real raw conversations about stuff that matters but I'm curious for you like the word collective does it um how do you see that word or does it resonate in your life or how do you see the collective of the world kind of where do you feel like you're seeing shifts happening or where it might be going right now just from your perspective yeah that's a really really good question I think the word that comes up to me two words is community and connection I think that's what collective embodies is community and connection of meeting people, uh, connecting with them on a deeper level. And I think that's kind of what you're creating. At least that's what I can perceive based off of knowing you and seeing what you're trying to do with this goddess collective. For me, that's what comes up is community and connection. Because I think, you know, our version of connection in this world is kind of 
skewed. It's kind of a, mm. it's not actually real connection in my opinion. Yeah. So it's very disconnected. It's like, oh, let's talk about the weather. Let's talk about sports. Let's talk about stock market. Like stuff that doesn't really matter at the end of the day. It's about diving deeper and, you know, I think doing the inner work and becoming more self-aware is going to attract, you know, certain types of people into your life. And I think that's kind of one of the beauties of doing the work on yourself is then your vibe, like they say, attracts your tribe. And I think that's kind of what, what comes up for me, at least. And I think I do see kind of an awakening of people uh, becoming more self-aware, doing the inner work. The inner work is becoming sexy now. It's becoming mainstream. And I think that's where we can truly transform and make a difference in this world is if we heal ourselves first, fix the relationship with ourselves first and make that mainstream and normalize self-love because everything is a reflection of how we see ourselves. So if you want to get rid of hurt people, hurt, hurting people, you have to deal the, with the hurt that, that has been caused uh, to you and by you maybe um, by doing the work. And once you fix that and you start to love yourself, then you don't look through the lens of hating or judging other people. And that's where I think we can really make a difference in this world. So props to you uh, for, for creating this and, and doing the work and allowing me to come on and speak about it. So thank you. Thank you so much. And, you know, I feel like just from what you shared, like, I really do feel that you are just such a genuine embodiment of what you just shared. Um, so I'm just kudos back to you. Thank you. <laughs> uh, no, it's amazing. And I think the more people that step into, you know, speaking about this stuff and, and connecting with people in this way and, and showing that this is the stuff that matters, like that is really what co- will create the, the change in the collective. So um, I'm excited to see, you know, it continue because um, I feel like that's kind of where things are happening as well. Yep. Um, yeah, so I um, I'm just so grateful to have you on the show. And before we officially sign off, any last words of wisdom? I know you've given so many, but any last like pieces of advice you have for anybody, maybe maybe any of the men listeners or um, anybody mm-hmm. that wants to just connect with themselves deeper, or any last messages you have to share? I would love to, to cap it off. Yeah, thank you so much. I feel like I've shared a lot, but I think the one thing yeah. that's coming up for me is is being open to new ways of improving your life and maybe it's outside of your comfort zone maybe it's outside of your bubble or things you've been taught that work like for me i wasn't open to meditation i wasn't open to therapy i wasn't open to life coaching those were for hippies or people that had problems like like real problems like that needed to be fixed uh but then once i started going to it and realized how powerful it was i was like oh why have i not been doing this my whole life (laughs) and so uh, you know, learning how to meditate and and uh, journal and uh, go to therapy and all these things that I just like wrote off before, I had to be open to. And I feel like that's the thing I would say is be open to new ways of thinking, new ways of being that maybe you're not comfortable with, that maybe actually make you feel uncomfortable, but maybe that's okay because maybe that's where growth is. And so don't be afraid to at least explore and, and see what resonates with you. Um and, and give it, give it, give it a shot. And I think that's one thing I would say. And, and just that at the end of the day, like everyone out there, yes, I come from the fitness industry, but like no one's worth or value should be based on their physical appearance because our bodies are ever changing. That will never be the same. Uh, you know, they're constantly changing and don't buy into the myth that you are your body. You are so much more than your body. You're so much more than your, the, the amount of fat that you have on your body. You have so much more to offer this world than just what your body looks like. And so just remember that you are worth more than that and you are more than just your body. So 
Yeah, uh, that's so so powerful. And I'm almost like, I wish we would have started there because it's so good. And, <laughs> um, yeah. and that right there is life changing words. So thank you so so much. Um, where can people connect with you? I know you're on Instagram. Is there anywhere that you prefer people connect with you? And what and and anything you want to plug? Anything? Yeah. Oh, you have some uh, a new venture. Yeah, no, thank you. So it's very simple and consistent. It's at fit to fat to fit. And that's with the number two in between. So fit number two, fat number two, fit on all my social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, all the things. That's my website as well. And yes, I just did launch my uh, F2 meals, which is my meal delivery service that uh, I just, it'll launch in June. So the wait list is up and available we launched my meals, my recipes, uh, mostly keto to start out with, just because that's kind of what I preach. But there's, it's, it's not like the only way of eating. And I realized that. So we're going to start out with keto just because that's what people want when they come to me. And we'll ship to the 48 lower states uh, overnight shipping. So, um, which is really cool. Um, and I'm really, really excited to launch these meals because these are my recipes. These aren't someone else's recipes. These are my recipes from my books and my digital programs that I've created over the years. And now to be able to provide those meals um, handmade by a professional chef um, and deliver it to your door, they're fresh, they're not frozen, which is uh, something that's different than other meal prep companies. Uh, that's at f2meals.com. And you can check that out and join the wait list. You'll get $100 off your order if you join the wait list. But it launches June 1st, I think, is when we start shipping meals. So be ready because I think it's going to be a game changer just because it gets rid of the whole meal prepping thing, which you know, it's time consuming. And as a single oh, dad, like life, life gets busy. <laughs> yeah. So people yeah. can check that out too, if they want. Oh, so awesome. We'll have all the information in the show notes for people to check out. So thank you so much for that. And I can't wait to check that out too, because I actually was thinking about getting into a meal prep service and then my boyfriend wants to get into a new one. Mm-hmm. And so I think we've just found, <laughs> we've just found. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank well, thanks, you Jesse. so much. We'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next time. Yes, see you around. Thank you for joining the episode today. If you enjoyed it, please be sure to rate and review this podcast or share it out with anyone that you think could resonate with this message or could benefit from this topic and conversation. If you do, be sure to tag me so I can shout you out on my social media. You know, you tag me, I'll tag you. Let's be social. Remember, live empowered, have it all, and design the life you were made for. See you next episode.